Well, we are in our final week of the Beyond Blessed uh, series, and sometimes we've been extending them, and I'm just going to say this will be our final week, and uh, we talk about money a lot at River Valley, and I'm okay with that. There's a lot of churches that don't talk about it, but we always take a three-week period and talk about that and help people, and I, I seriously, I want God's best for you in this area. I really do. I want you to be living in the blessings of God in this area. I want you to get debt under control. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have great financial principles. And uh, so we'll, we'll wrap up the series uh, today. And uh, I just want to let you know, next week, of course, we have Kirk Cousins. Invite somebody to be here for that. We have Palm Sunday. We have a special thing planned at all of our campuses on Palm Sunday. So you're going to want to be here. And then, of course, Easter. All right. And then after that, we're doing a relationship series. And uh, so it, it, we got some things planned. But today, uh, there's so much to teach. And I'm going to give you one practical thing, one supernatural thing, and one inspirational thing. All right. Uh, let me start with the practical thing. Last week, we talked about uh, the budget and contentment, and it hit a lot of people. We were talking about being content, and I, I'll give you that scripture. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. All right? So how many know you cannot do your first world problem complaints anymore, right? It's like food and clothing. But we want to be content. We talked about that. We talked about budgeting, talked about content. And uh, I know that it hit so many people because I had people coming up in the lobby and they were saying, this hits us. This hits me. This is where we're at. We've got this debt. We've got that debt. Uh, I had one dad, he came up to me, tears just kind of welling up in his eyes. And he said, I've put my family in this financial mess. I did this and I've got to get out of it. And I've got to get that budget in place. And he's like, I I I've been keeping score the wrong way. And how many know that men tend to keep score with finances? You know, we can judge. We look at material possession and we keep score. And men, men use finances to keep score in many ways. And, and women like it in and, and broad brush, but generally speaking, like if, as long as they're being taken care of and there's no fear, that's a, a good place for women. But men are always competing and keeping score. And he said, I was keeping score. I got us into trouble and I'm going to get us out. Thanks for this help. And I know you feel it because I was surprised um, when I said, Beck and I haven't paid credit card interest in over 20 years. You guys clap for us. You're like, yay, good for you. There's hope for all of us. You know, I just, I felt that, you know, and I just, I know that, uh, you know, we're, this is really where we live. So I want to give you one practical tip. Um, I will tell you this, our Financial Peace University classes are full, okay? I believe they're full, and maybe your campus can give a, a follow-up announcement, but I know some of the campuses, it's full. People are in there. Um, I would fight to get another one started. I would talk to your campus pastor, whoever's over life groups at your campus, start another one, get me in this. I would be aggressive. And I was, I was thinking how aggressive you need to be to get out of debt. You know, remember the preview videos we were show, showing of Dave Ramsey? He's like, ah, you know, I mean, you need to get a little aggressive. And then I thought about when I was in India, how aggressive they were. When they wanted something in India, they were aggressive. And I will never forget this. We were laying hands and praying for people. And so we'd put our hand on their head, you know, and pray for them. And if you took too long with that person, the person next to them would take your hand off of them and put it on their own head, you know. <laughs> so you need to get aggressive, all right? All right. So, but I want you to get uh, desperate to really find this peace and get debt taken care of. So this is a practical thing. 
Um, I found an article. It's interesting. I found this article. It just came out March 29th from MarketWatch. And it said, getting rid of debt may actually make your brain work better. Okay? Now, that would make sense. That would make sense. And I love it when science just confirms what the Bible really has to say. And because Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. How many know if you are slave to the lender, your brain is not firing the right way? How many know you got things in the back of your mind? What are they going to do? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I going to be able to do this? And so they're saying, if you get out of debt, if you, if you uh, alleviate the debt problem, you will actually think better. You'll have more peace fall upon your life. Psalms 37 verse 21 says, an evil person borrows and never pays back. A good person is generous and never stops giving. Amen. All right. So uh, I, I want to give you something about debt. And I, I get, go to financial peace. There's so many things. But I want you to see this. And it's a thing we teach called the debt snowball. Now, remember, I'm trying to help you to, with that scripture in mind to not be slave to the lender. So with the debt snowball, let me just throw a couple of debts out here and I'll help you out and we'll jump on past this real quick. But go ahead and throw it up on the screen here with some debts here. The, I just took a sample here, like hospital expense, 6000 somebody got sick, you got to pay that. Um, home furniture, you owe them $2,400 for your new living room set. Visa credit card, 1800 and somebody says, that's way lower than mine, all right. <laughs> home Depot, you needed like something, water heater, and you had to take care of it. And so you have $11,000 worth of debt, all right. So that's just typical, and that doesn't even count like cars or college debt. We'll get there in just a minute. Okay, so a lot of people are wondering, how do I pay this off? How do I do it? And you're trying to figure out which one has the highest interest. And we teach something called the debt snowball, all right? You'll see that if you were to make the minimum payment on all these, let's say 180 on the hospital expense, 80 on home furniture, 70 on visa, 32 on home depot, it's $362, all right? That's like minimum payment. And you're wondering, what do I do? If you look at your budget and you say, Again, hypothetically, we have about $662 that we could pay towards debt. What should we put it on? Here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you to pay the minimum payment on all of them except for the lowest one. That you would go after Home Depot and you would add the 300 extra dollars to your 32 minimum payment and you would pay 332 towards Home Depot. And as soon as you get that paid, then you take that $332 and you add it to the $70 to Visa. Are you tracking with me? And you debt snowball. Okay, you have a little celebration. Maybe go for ice cream after you pay off Home Depot. All right. Don't put it on the card. Pay cash. All right. <laughs> you add the $332 to your $70 minimum payment on Visa. You pay that off. As soon as that's paid off, you add the $402 to the $80. You pay $482 to home furniture. As soon as that's paid off, you add the $482 to your $180 and you pay off. You see, it's the snowball. There's something about creating momentum that starts to get you excited to keep it going. And you keep paying off and paying off. And then you say, well, I have bigger bills than that. Can I tell you this? As I was doing my notes and working with the tech team, Caleb uh, Moore, who is our, our production lead, all right? He's our production manager and director over, he wears the headset here, okay? Works at the church, works at the church. He's not in sales and marketing. He's not an entrepreneur, business owner. And he said to me, he goes, hey, we did the debt snowball and my wife and I paid off $90,000 of college debt. He said, $90,000. He said, we just, 
knocked out the first one, knocked out the second one, knocked out the third. And we kept rolling it on and, and never changed the payment, but just kept rolling it up and doing that. He said, we're $7,000 away from paying everything off. I said, man, that's incredible to see what you've been able to do. Some of you think I'll never get out from college debt. If you can do snowball and do that, and boom, 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 and keep doing it, that's a practical tip. And I didn't want you to miss that. There were, there's so many more things you can learn in financial peace. As we talk about money, I'm trying to help you move forward and not be slave to the lender, but be in a position to give, a position to live in financial freedom, all right? So that was the practical thing. Now the supernatural thing. Tithing is supernatural. I'm going to tell you this right now. I felt this so bad last week. After I preached last week and the week before, I was just praying about this uh, series and I felt God say to me, you're kind of missing it. Tithing is supernatural. It's not a system. It's not a snowball. It's not, it doesn't make any sense unless I'm blessing it. That's what I felt God say. And, and he reminded me over and over again, like tithing shows our gratitude. When we give our 10%, it shows our gratitude. It helps us remember God. It takes care of the needs of the church and helps us to move forward. But never forget it's supernatural. How do you give away 10% of your money and still have more than enough, have blessing on your life, have the bills taken care of? It's supernatural. And God reminded me again in Malachi chapter 3, the children of Israel were walking away from God and they were disobeying him. And he, he was saying to them, return to me. And he says in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven or some translations say the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. He said, I'm going to make sure that things last longer and I'm going to take care of you. He's basically rebuking the devourer and opening windows in heaven and pouring out blessing. And he says, I, I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's all throughout the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness so you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He's, Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, the one that can make the seed grow, you don't know how it works. You take that seed, you bury it in the ground. The seed dies and then it comes to life and then it grows and then it just doesn't give you one seed. It gives you many seeds. He's like, the one that is doing that is going to take care of you when you honor him and you bless him and when you're generous and when you tithe. And so after being rebuked in prayer, I'm passing it on. Tithing is supernatural. Tithing is supernatural. And if you are struggling, like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm telling you, you know what's fighting you? It's supernatural. It's fighting you. There's opposing forces that are trying to keep you from being obedient because God's saying, I want to unleash better blessing on you. And I'm going to take, I want to open the windows of heaven on you and pour out blessing on you that you can't contain. 
I talk to people all the time that start tithing, and they're like, it makes no sense. We can't believe it. We don't know how it worked. It, 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 God's blessing. It's God's supernatural blessing when you honor him with the first fruits, the first bite, the first tenth, and God opens the windows of heaven. All right? It is supernatural in Jesus' name. Now something inspirational, all right? Practical, all right? Supernatural, and then inspirational, all right? I want to talk to us about generosity today. Generosity today. Over and above giving. Over and above what? When you hear that term, over and above the tithe. When people start to tithe and give 10%, over and above that, people are generous, and the generosity continues to flow in our church. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but I wonder, why am I so blessed? Why did I get to live in this country? Why am I so blessed? Why has God poured out his blessings upon me? I hear from people all the time. Why am I so blessed? And again, I, I read that scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I believe that we're blessed to be a blessing. I believe that when God raises my standard of living, he does it so I can raise my giving. That's what happened. And he's saying, I'm, I'm blessing you. I'm helping you to be generous on every occasion. There's so many scriptures that talk about being generous and about giving and about going over and above. And many times when we do that, again, we're taking care of the needs of the church. And then when we go over and above, how many know we are just generous and generous and we're helping the poor and the hurting and the suffering so many times. Uh, Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. It's like God saying, man, when you, when you do these things, I'm going to bless you for that. Hebrews 13, 16, it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. So there's just example of, after example of, of people giving and giving. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, Paul is again talking to the church at Corinth. And he says this, he says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He's like, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. Like there, you could keep going. How many know that when you give your 10%, it's not like, ta-da, we're done. In the New Testament, everything just keeps going up. In the Old Testament, it's like, don't kill people. And Jesus is like, love your enemies. And in the Old Testament, it's like, don't commit adultery. And Jesus is like, don't look lustfully. And it's all, there were minimums that were set here. And God's like, in the New Testament, you can just keep going and going and going and keep going. Excel in this. And so at River Valley, if you're unfamiliar with this, and many of you are familiar, but we call it Kingdom Builders. We call it Kingdom Builders, our over and above giving. It can be called any name. We coach other churches in this. They call it Heart for the House, Legacy Giving. But we do this every year. We give out a book and we say, hey, these are things that we're going to do over and above our regular giving. We're going to give to kingdom builders. We, we give these resources all around the world. And as fast as you give it, we'll give it out. Okay? It, we're, as fast as you give it, we'll continue to give it out and to fund different projects and to do that. And people say, well, what happens if we pay everything in this book? I said, I got more. Trust me. All right. So, all right. Now, we've been leading the way in this and having other people follow us. And people will ask me, like, how can I be generous? And how generous? Like, 
If I'm tithing and you say over and above, like how much over and above? So I'm going to help you out. And I've got four things for you, four things that I want to help you out with. This would be the first thing. The first thing would be your first gift. For many people in the church, you're still new. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what to do with money and giving and generosity. And if I could say this, I would love it if you could give your first gift of any amount. First gift, because here's the thing. A first gift that goes towards kingdom builders, it starts to determine the direction. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you want to see the poor, the hurting, the lost, the suffering, you start putting your treasure there, how many know your heart will follow? When you start spending your money on watches, cars, purses, whatever, uh, it doesn't matter, a pair of shoes, all of a sudden you, you, you put your treasure there, your heart goes there a little bit, and how many know you start noticing it? And you're like, hey, hey, look, at th- that, those shoes are everywhere, right? And you start noticing them. It's because you put a little treasure in there. I'm telling you what, as a kingdom builder, I start noticing India and China and Afghanistan. You see what I'm saying? I start noticing human trafficking and wells that need to be dug and church. You see what I'm saying? I start, when there's poverty or drought or things going on, I start noticing that because that's where my treasure is going. So I would encourage you to give a first gift. Now, there's a story in the Bible, Luke chapter 21, and I don't think this is probably her first gift, but I want to just help you out with the thought. In Luke chapter 21, there's a story about a widow that was giving her money, and Jesus is sitting there watching people give. And this lady comes up and puts in two coins that basically it was one 128th of a day's wage. In today's terms, on minimum wage, it was $1.88. This widow comes up and puts in $1.88. And she puts it in, $1.88, puts it in, and it catches the attention of Jesus. Why? Because she was saying, this is all I've got. You've got all of me. I, my, my heart is in your direction. I'm going to give you what I've got. I trust you. I'm going to give you everything. And this first gift, just this gift that's here that is small and is insignificant in our eyes was significant in heaven's eyes. And I want to speak this to anybody that is, is, is thinking about a first gift towards kingdom builders. And, I, and I'm using this thought here. Many times you say, well, it's just $1.88. $1.88 means something when your heart is behind it. Some people say, well, Pastor Rob, if we even gave to kingdom builders, it'd just be $5. It doesn't matter. It's your heart. And God's not judging how big the gift is. He's looking at how much you have left. And he's like, you gave a ton because you barely, come on, you gave a ton. I'm telling you, your $5 gift matters, $10, $100, a first gift matters. And I'm praying that right now this weekend that a thousand people would make their first gift towards kingdom builders. I really am. I'm praying that a thousand people would just say first gift, a dollar, $5, $10. You're going to say, I want to go that direction. I want my heart to go that direction. And I'm going to give my first gift towards kingdom. I don't have it all figured out. But I'm going to give my first gift because your first gift makes a difference. And I want to say to every single person, whether it's $1.88, $5, $10, $100, thank you. Your first gift has made a significant difference. Lives are being changed for eternity. Really, it really is making a difference. Now, after the first gift, people will say to me like, Pastor Rob, we're raising all this money at River Valley. Where do I go from there? And these are real. People will say to me and... And they say, like, what do I do? And I'm answering this because people say, I don't know if I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm doing bad. I, 
sometimes I think you guys do more, less, I don't know. All right, so I'm trying to help you. So after your first gift, let me help you out with many of you, a first goal, a first goal. All right, giving a first goal. People say, well, what, what should be a first goal? And I tell people if they haven't been doing it before, I say, what about $1,200 a year, $100 a month? Now, some of you are like, I can do way more than that. Don't worry, we have two more categories. All right, all right, all right. All right. But for a lot of people, that's a huge goal. You might be in high school. You might be in college. You're like, how in the world am I going to do that? How in the world? And I'm asking you to have a goal and to pray about it and see what God does. I'm asking you to have that first goal that you go, you, you write it down somewhere, you put it on the fridge or in your bathroom or in your Bible or wherever, and you pray about it. You say, God, I, I want to have a first goal and, and have a number that I'm going after and believing for after my first gift. Now, again, you might think, well, what would $1,200 do? I broke it down. I, I can't believe this. This is all, this is an example of what $1,200 could do. $1,200. $1,200 means 200 kids would get their very first Bible. They would get their very first Bible. It also means, it's not limited to that, that one church in India will be started. It also means that $200 would go to tornado disaster relief in the next crisis. It also means that $200 would take care of a pastor in a third world country and would help them be trained for a year. It also means that 2,000 kids would get fed a meal that week. It also means that $100 would go to a new church in a hard-to-reach nation where they would get the resources. It also means that $100 would be going towards somebody getting set free out of human sex trafficking. And it also means that 100 people would be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ online and hear about the message for the very first time. That's just And I think about $1,200, $1,200. I mean, just the good that can be done. And, and I, I, I sat there, I, I thought, that's, it's incredible to think what God can do. We are trying to be good stewards and manage this well and give to great ministries that are giving us a great return on the investment. And we're trying to go to the least of these and go to the unreached people groups and do these things. And, and I'm just trying to help you to know that as you set your first goal, after you've given your first gift and you have your first goal, God is using that in an incredible way. All right, so go for it, set your first goal. But some of you say, what about beyond that? All right, I call this the big step. The big step. I'm just saying like you're already tithing 10%, and what's a big step? I think when somebody gives 5% more of their income to the work of the Lord, that's a big step. You say, well, I could do $1,200. That isn't 5% of my income. I could do $2,400. That's not 5%. But all of a sudden you start saying, am I going to take a big step and go for it and try to give 5% more of my income? Some of you are like, ouch, that could hurt. You know what Mother Teresa said? She said, give till it hurts. Then there can be no more hurt, only love. I'm just saying, like, I want to rearrange my life around love and the fact that I love people and I want to alleviate uh, suffering. I want to bring the gospel to the people that have never heard. I want to do the things that say there's hope that Jesus Christ is the answer, that somebody loves them, that they may think they're unlovable. And so I'm going to do things that are going to take away from maybe my own personal life. But I'm saying I want to give because I'm on mission to love this world for you, Lord. And I'm going to start giving and I'm going to take a, a big step. And for some, I could see you're calculating like big step, big step, big step. I, I'm just, maybe you work up to it from your first goal to the big step and you get there and 
Maybe we ought to do like Dave Ramsey does. If you ever listen to him, he's like people calling like, I'm debt free, you know. <laughs> Maybe just have a moment with your pastor and just say, I took the big step. I took, and there's, congratulations, praise God for that. We thank God that you're being motivated by love and you're changing things and you're moving it around. You're starting to really live what Acts 20, 35 says, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you're starting to live differently. So I'm just setting this as a goal. And it's hard for me to know how many people did this at the church, but it was just a kind of an educated guess. Somewhere in the range of three to 400 families were saying 5%. 5%, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to bless the work of the Lord through kingdom builders. And we want to do that. We have one more category here. But before we do, um, because we've had so many people giving 5% and first gifts and goals that they've been setting, and then even the last category, um, our superintendent uh, wanted to send us uh, a message. There's about 13,500 churches that we fellowship with. And um, he heard about our giving this year. They keep track of missions giving. And he said, can I just record a short video to say thank you to River Valley Church? And I wanted to hear from our superintendent, Doug Clay. Hey, Pastor Rob in River Valley, congratulations on a banner year for missions giving. Over $5 million. That's unprecedented. Never been done in our fellowship before. You know, your spirit of generosity is contagious as you set an example for other churches to follow. I particularly want to thank you on behalf of the missionaries, the projects that these funds will go to support, And I especially want to thank you on behalf of people that will come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because of your extraordinary generosity. Thank you for modeling such great excellence in kingdom advancement. He talked to me this week. And he said, no church out of the 13,500 or whatever in the history over 104 years has ever given over $5 million to world missions. And he's like, thank you for leading the way. Thank you. And he said, I want to do a video to say thank you. And he just said, keep going. Keep going. What's in your heart? I was like, we want to do more. We want to give more. We're living on mission. People are sacrificing and they, they've done their first gift. They've done their first goal. They're taking big steps. But then beyond that, I told them people are living big generosity. And that's the fourth area, I would say. Big generosity. I'm talking about people that have said, we're not just going to tie 10 and give five. We're going to go up from there. We're going to see how much more we can give. Becca and I determined this years ago, we were going to tithe 10 and give 10 to Kingdom Builders and keep growing up from there and keep adding and adding and adding. And many people in the church have said, we're with you. We're going to join you. We're going to not give until it hurts. We're going to give until it feels good. How many know there's a, there's a changeover and all of a sudden you give until you feel good and you start saying, God, thank you for blessing me to be a blessing. I mean, there's just so many things in the Bible where people were like, I want to give. And in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, they were begging. Poor people were begging for the opportunity to give more, saying, we understand. We want to be a part of this. We want to be in on what God is doing. And in this, people will give more than 10%. They'll start to give 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. 
50%. You've heard about reverse tithing where people have said, I'm going to try to do this where I'll keep raising my percentage and seeing I can live on 10 and God can have 90. There are people that are doing that. I think about the Green family that owns Hobby Lobby. They give 50%, 50% of their, their profits pre-tax, 50% towards the things of God. They said, God owns our company. And, and, and right there, we're going we're gonna to give 50% pre-tax. And somebody said, wow, that's so good. If I buy from Hobby Lobby, is that like tithing? No, it's not. It's not. It's not like tithing. Okay. But praise God for that generosity. He's modeling the way. And he showed that. But in our own congregation, in our own congregation, I had a moment with a very generous giver. And I just said, tell me, what are you doing right now? Because they've been very generous. And he says, we're now giving 50% of our take home. And we continue to be humbled by what God is doing through us. We've never thought that we give to get, but we see God's blessing over and over. He said, we continue to set goals without knowing where it will come from. And God always shows up. Some would call it radical giving, but I call it confident giving. Confidence in him. And to that I say amen. Because 42% of the world has never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And until they hear, we're going to keep giving. We're going to keep saying, God, use us to build your kingdom. We're going to sacrifice. We'll make our first gift, our first goal, our big step. And we'll have big generosity in this church. And we'll continue to do more around this world. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I pray that we receive that, that we receive we are blessed to be a blessing. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, first gift, thank you. First goal, thank you. Oh, man, big step, thank you. And big gener generosity, thank you. Lives are being changed for eternity. Let's be blessed to be a blessing. So, Lord, I pray for that. I pray for that, that as we step out in the supernatural obedience of tithing and then go above and beyond from there, I pray that we would do that. First gift, first step. Oh, God, just that big, big step, Lord. And then also, Lord Jesus, I just pray that big generosity in Jesus' name. May there be people here that uh, have income that comes through them that they had no idea it would come through them. But instead of just always increasing our standard of living, we'd increase our standard of giving and we'd be blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.